On today's episode of Double Move Sports, we break down our rankings for 2019 rookie wide receivers in their second season, NFL MVP predictions, and players whose ADP gives us nightmares. We have a ton of hot takes in this episode you don't want to miss, and this episode is brought to you courtesy of Audible. With everyone staying home in quarantine, now has never been a better time to get yourself a free audiobook of your choosing using the link posted in the description. I highly recommend a book called Shoe Dog, an autobiography by the founder of Nike. Thank you all for all your support. Now let's get into the show. Back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. Today is April 18th, 2020. I'm Steph, and I'm chilling with the hot take king himself. Say what's up, Alex, my guy. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm feeling spicy today. I am. Crushed some bourbon last night, some good old Kentucky bourbon. So woke up this morning feeling a little spicy. I think um, things are going to get interesting today, Steph. Things are going to get interesting. (laughs) You know, I'm just trying to not get coronavirus, man. You mean like nobody's safe at this point. Every time I cough, even if it's just like completely unrelated, like it's a little like I'm just clearing my throat. My fiance looks over at me. She's like, do you have COVID? I'm like, no. But, you know, we saw like Vaughn Miller's out here getting it. So I don't know who's safe. I'm doing my best to stay safe. I've been wearing masks when I'm going to the store and things like that. You know, I want to be able to um, keep doing my in-home workouts, which consist of like five sit-ups and 10 push-ups a day and i'd like to keep doing some uh some podcasts and some youtube videos as well so everyone stay safe out there it's you know it's an unprecedented time but um, we got some good things coming up nfl draft next week i i can't wait i think it's going to be really interesting to watch this year like goodell's going to be hunkered down in his basement i he's probably not going to be wearing pants so um it's going to be good i'm excited Yeah, I just hope there's a way that even whether they they overlay it on there with some kind of audio setup or they let just like fans enter in a Zoom call and just start booing him. We got to find a way to boo him as he comes out. Yeah, they got to do like on the old sitcoms when they have the laugh track. They got to do a boo track and a cheer track. So I'm almost interested to see if teams have trouble making their picks or making trades in real time. If someone lets the clock run out, I think we're going to see some auto drafting going on. Is someone going to be taking... You know, a, a walk-on from a from a uh, mid-major school in the first round. <laughs> I th- I do think, like on the real, like no question, this is going to happen. There is going to be some technical difficulty. Somebody's pick is going to be messed up. There's going to be like a yep. typo when they submit it. There just has to be. There's no way this can just go off without a hitch, and we're not going to see any headlines. You know, the the media is going to have an absolute heyday the second anything goes wrong. So, no, I I think this is going to be a really fun draft to watch in a lot of ways. Let's go ahead and jump into it here, Alex. We have three segments that we're going to jump into, all kind of random different topics around the NFL, but it's it's pre-draft season, so not a ton to break down. I've just been itching for uh, April 26th or 23rd, whatever day it is. Steph, before uh, we get in, super up, what's important what's announcement up? I have to make. Super important okay. announcement. If you have not subscribed, hit the subscribe button. All right, we're ready yes. to go. <laughs> Like, subscribe, all that stuff. If you guys like it, um, please, comments. We are we were desperate for any topics we can get into. You know, the fantasy debates episodes we've been doing the last couple of weeks have been fantastic, and those have all been topics that you guys have submitted. So keep those coming. Anything else you'd like us to break down, dynasty questions, mock draft questions, everything else. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the first topic here that we want to break down. I put out a graphic. I'll go ahead and put that on screen now. Out on Twitter earlier this week, talking about some of the rookies in 2019, uh, wide receiver rookies, and what their outlook is for 2020. I was asking a lot of you guys, hey, could you rank maybe the top five names that we saw uh, finish in fantasy at the wide receiver position? 
And I'll just throw some of those names out here just to kind of get a feel for it. We got Hollywood Brown. We got our Debo Samuel, our AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Nikhil Harry, Peston Williams, Darius Slayton, a ton of different names that are out there that we like. And, and I think Alex and I have some pretty hot takes here that we're going to throw out. So we, we went through and, and just ranked from the rookies from last year who our top fives were. Alex, I'll have you go first to your top five and we'll kind of break it down after that. Yeah, I'll start I'll start from five and take it down to one. I think, you know, I want to build up the suspense as much as possible. Let's do it. Um, so I'll try to hit these quick. At number five for fantasy football in 2020, I have Deontay Johnson. This guy Ooh. was so slept on last season. I think he's still being super slept on heading into next season. Steph, which Steelers receiver do you think led their team in fantasy points per game last year? By the fact that you're asking me, I, I got to say it's Deontay Johnson. It's I know not it Juju. Wasn't Juju. It's not <laughs> Juju. It's Deontay Johnson. He had 10.2 fantasy points a game last season. That was more than Tyrell Williams, Robbie Anderson, Sammy Watkins, Juju. And I know those guys weren't like winning you championships last season, but a lot of those were in flex consideration um, week in and week out. And Deontay Johnson was playing with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges themselves. So the Steelers only had 510 pass attempts last season. The season before, they had 689. Um, ben Roethlisberger is coming back straight out of Middle Earth with that beard. Um, and I know he's going to throw the ball a ton. He says his elbow's feeling good. So Deontay Johnson, um, I mean, he had 92 targets last season. That's nothing to scoff at. So I'm excited for him. And he's a guy where if I get him as my flex, I think he's got some major upside next season. So moving on to number four on my list is Debo Samuel. Second round pick out of South Carolina. We all saw how strong he came on at the end of last season. I have him somewhere in the wide receiver 25 to 30 range um, in redraft. And he only had five and a half targets a game last season. I think that does go up with Emmanuel Sanders leaving town. But he also has some potential for touchdown regression, especially on the ground. He scored three rushing touchdowns on 14 attempts. So I, I know they do utilize him with those jet sweeps and those end rounds and things like that, but I expect that to come down a little bit. So I think his efficiency might decrease, but his overall usage should go up. The 49ers were second to last in pass attempts a game last season with only 28. Um, I don't see them being quite as dominant next season. I think they're still going to be a good team, but maybe they do need to throw the ball a little bit more late in games. So Debo Samuel comes in for me at number four. Now let me, let me stop you right there. I have Debo as well at number four here. Yeah, I see him as really the only competition that he's facing in the passing game. Granted that, you know, the Niners don't bring in a Curtis Samuel, uh, you know, a name like that. I've seen some of those rumors or another name in the draft, you know, but really all he's competing with is George Kittle. And there's, to me, there's, there's like cap ceiling and what you can get from a tight end uh, in the receiving game. A crazy stat on Debo Samuel. He was the wide receiver eight in PPR from week eight through week 17. I mean, this guy was completely slept on. I don't think really till after the season, we were able to digest wow. how good of a season he really had. Uh, so I'm with you on that, that Debo wow. at number four. Wow. That blew my mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're telling me Steph, that you don't think Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne are threats to Debo Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, that's a good, that's a good take. That's a good point. Steph. And it's tough because Debo, we have him at number four of our sophomore receivers, but I still think he's going to be a great fantasy option. There's just a lot of Absolutely. really talented guys um, from last year's rookie class. So moving forward to my number three, it's A.J. Brown. A lot of people are really high on A.J. Brown going into next season. I'm not quite as high on him. I don't think I'm going to own him in any leagues just because he's going in like round four, round five. And for me, I don't want him as my wide receiver too, to be honest with you. 
He only had 52 receptions last season. He was second in the NFL in yards per reception, but I'm scarred from the playoffs, man. I know he did some amazing (laughs) things in the back half of last season, but here's his playoff stat lines. Let me just read them off. Um, In the wild card round against New England, one catch for four yards. Wow, that's great. Uh, Next round against Baltimore, one catch for nine yards. Really uh, stepping up there, getting those five extra yards. And then uh, against Kansas City in the AFC Championship, three catches for 51 yards which doesn't kill you, but it's certainly not great. So for me, A.J. Brown, he is a playmaker with the ball in his hands, but he's a boom-bust guy for me. I just don't see the consistency being there. He had three or fewer catches in 10 of his 16 games as a rookie. Um, I do expect him to be on the field more in his sophomore season. In the first nine games of last season, he didn't get over 70% of snaps. Over the last seven games, he was over 70% of snaps each and every week and over 90% for those games. So that definitely has something to do with the increase in production um, over those last several games of last season. But I just, man, I just can't get myself to draft A.J. Brown as my wide receiver two in the fourth round when, um, you know, he could easily put up five points on any given week. Right, so that's right. why he's my number three. I think he still has upside, and I think he still will perform and have some 25, 30-point games. Um, but let's go ahead and move on. My number two is DK Metcalf. He had a really strong rookie season. Decaf Metcalf himself. Decaf. Um, 100 targets last year on you know 58 receptions, 900 yards, and seven touchdowns on 100 targets. is a pretty good rookie season. 15 and a half uh, yards per reception. That was 13th in the NFL. He's kind of similar to A.J. Brown with the boom-bust potential. They're both just, you know, field stretchers. They run those hard slant routes. They're not necessarily quick, but they can get moving in a hurry. I just think there's a little bit more consistency with D.K. Metcalf because he has Russell Wilson as his quarterback. I know there is more of a 1A, 1B situation there with Tyler Lockett, and I certainly would rather have Tyler Lockett in fantasy next season. But there's just more passing volume to go around, so I can trust D.K. Metcalf a little bit more. Um, kind of similar to AJ Brown. It's not quite as brutal of a stat, but DK Metcalf had four or fewer receptions in 11 out of 16 games. So they're kind of built from the same mold, but I just think DK Metcalf is going to provide a little bit more consistency, and that's why he's my number two. Last but not least, I've been talking for way too long. I can't wait to hear your top five, but I really do want to talk about my number one sophomore receiver. It's Terry McLaurin. This might be a hot take. Wow. He's not being drafted ahead of Ooh, guys like AJ, AJ Brown. Brown. But Terry McLaurin, man, he was wide receiver 29 last season in full PPR, and he didn't even play all 16 games. He had 93 targets last season. That was six and a half targets a game, and that was on the offense that had the least amount of points scored last season, the offense that had the least amount of passing yards. They were 26th in pace of play. So when I look at this Redskins team, it was brutal last season. Bill Callahan wanted to run the ball like – 50 times a game, even if they were down by three touchdowns. And Terry McLaurin still was able to have a really solid season. He played with Dwayne Haskins in college at Ohio State. I have no doubt that Dwayne Haskins is going to just continue to lock in on Terry McLaurin. And for me, he's more of a complete player than DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. He can beat guys deep, but he also is just a really crispy route runner. He can beat you on all three levels. And he has, I think, what it takes to become a true number one receiver in the NFL that can kind of do it all. He also, even on that terrible offense last season, provided some sense of consistency. He had at least 50 receiving yards in 10 out of 14 games that he played. So 
Terry McLaurin, man, for me, I'm going to end up with him in a lot of places. If he's my wide receiver too, I actually feel pretty comfortable with it. And that's going to allow me to go get a tight end that I want or go stack my running backs or something like that. So Terry McLaurin, keep an eye out. For me, he is a lock as a top 20 receiver next season in fantasy. Very nice. Very nice. I'll go through mine. Uh, five here. I'm just going to add on and then kind of we could, can see again where we differ and have some debates there. So my my five is Darius Slayton. I'm expecting wow. Daniel Jones and this Giants offense to continue to improve. When you watch Daniel Jones play, you can tell that he wants to sling it deep. He's not a check down guy. We talked about that on previous episodes on the podcast with how little of the receiving work Saquon Barkley got last year with just Daniel Jones not wanting to check it down under any circumstance. And, you know, whether it's Jones improving, the Giants offense improving, either way, I think that does benefit Slayton. You know, defenses are going to have to respect a healthy Saquon next year. Um, That's going to set up more play action. And the Giants had 40 pass plays per game last year, which was seventh in the league. So I I expect there to be plenty of volume to go around. We know Giants have a number of different weapons. They don't really have, like, outside of Saquon, like a true alpha wide receiver one. But when you have Golden Tate in there, you know, Sterling Shepard has been consistent. Evan Ingram's still there. I think all of that underneath stuff is going to open up a ton for Darius Slayton deep downfield. He was, you know, you look at some of his stats here in terms of like average depth of target, you know, average target distance, total target distance. Uh, And and really, if you look at his separation metrics, he didn't have a ton of separation last year and was still able to be relatively solid. So I like Slayton a lot when I'm in a draft and and we'll get into some of the other names that are there um, here later on in the show. But I like Darius Slayton over a lot of the names that I'm seeing there. Um, We may be splitting Harris here between Darius Slayton and Deontay Johnson. Both are big upside guys, uh, but I really like what I saw out of Slayton last year. And, uh, you know, I I shot my shot there one of those weeks. I think I had him as my deep shot of the week and he finishes like a wide receiver, the wide receiver one or two. Um, So definitely had to take a victory lap on that one. We talked about Debo. He's my number four. Yeah, he's that main wide receiver in San Francisco. He's in a very explosive offense. He gets used in those jet sweeps and those end arounds. And and we talked about how great he was through that last stretch of the season. So nothing more for me to say there on the Debo side of things. For me at three, so this is where we start to to differ. I have Terry McLaurin at number three. And I agree with you that he is fantastic. I, I really do like Terry McLaurin a lot. I just see a little more upside and better situation in the other names at my top two. But for McLaurin, I mean, he had the third highest grade uh, per fro- pro football focus for a w- rookie wide receiver ever. Let me read you some of the names and the grades on that list. Pretty much every single one of these guys became a star wide receiver in the NFL at one point in their career. So at number one, Odell Beckham. At two, we had Michael Thomas. Three, that's Terry McLaurin. He had 85.7 grade. Odell had a 91, so they were pretty close there. And then from there, here's some of these names. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, Demarius Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Doug Baldwin, Chris Godwin. The list goes on and on. All those guys have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that is a loaded uh, list of names there when we're talking about wide receivers. You know, I think uh, now that Bill Callahan's not using a playbook from the 70s anymore and Ron Rivera's in town, (laughs) uh, I do expect there to be more passing volume, a more stable offense, I think. Haskins could potentially take a step up. Um, you know, McLaurin, you know, we talked about like he finished as what the wide receiver 29 
Mm-hmm. And he was he led Washington in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns, and responsible for about a third of their overall receiving production. So I don't know if I expect that you know level of target share to to stick around. Certainly, he has the chops to do so, and I certainly think it's in the range of outcomes. I I really uh, could see him being the top you know one of these five, but I have him for me at three. I just see that that offense still kind of figuring some things out. You know, it's it's hard when there's a lot of churn in a front office or on a coaching staff to take big steps off because everybody's kind of just starting in from square one. You know, Terry's shown that, that he can get it done regardless of who's at quarterback and regardless of his situation. So I, I like him a lot, but I have him here at three. This is a bit off topic, but what are the Redskins doing in their running back room? They've got Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, and Peyton Barber. Like... Do they think that three bad running backs makes one good running back? Or, you have an injured you know, Darius I think Geis certainly has some potential, but the Peyton Barber move, like if you want a guy that can run straight into the back of his offensive lineman for three yards every time, I think they've already got that. <laughs> and they have a 35-year-old Adrian Peterson. I mean, we love, we all love AD, but I mean, just, I think he said he wants he to play to into his 40s. Oh my, he's going to have that uh, Jerry Rice, Tom Brady level <laughs> right, uh, on his career. Right. But no, I, I really don't know what's going on for the Redskins there. We'll, we'll see how that plays out for them. I mean, maybe they're one for a landing spot, but I don't even see them in the draft going after, you know, with all that, that high no. draft capital that they have, they're not going to address the running back situation. So they'll probably end up just bringing in uh, another guy like Frank Gore, you know, maybe they'll bring in Frank Gore. They'll bring in Gus Edwards and get a couple more guys that do the same thing. That makes the most sense. I think for the Redskins, <laughs> I mean, McLaurin's the only bright spot to me, maybe a little bit of the flashes that we saw Haskins have towards the end of the season. Um, but some of those plays, like I'll post some of these on Twitter later on. It's like McLaurin was saving Haskins on a lot of those, those plays too, like where he was taking a slant to yeah. the house. Right. So if they brought in Frank Gore and Marshawn Lynch, I think they would have like the <laughs> running back elders of the 21st century all in their running back room. So that, I mean, we'll see, we'll see, but man, it wouldn't Washington, be out of character. Come on, figure it, figure it out. <laughs> so at number two here, I got AJ Brown. He finishes the wide receiver 21 last year. I expect him to finish around there again, if not a little bit higher. He had, he has the highest ADP right now of all the names here. You know, I don't know about how I'm feeling taking him there. Like you said, I'm probably not going to get him in a ton of leagues. I think I have him a little bit higher than you do, but still, you know, you see the hype is real, especially with the Titans fan base. But AJ Brown, man, he's so explosive. When you see him on the field, you watch him play. He's taking everything to the house, breaking off big plays, really from whether it's first down, play action, that play action um you know setup that the titans have is fantastic for aj brown he seems like to be the main benefactor of that doesn't have a ton to compete with in you know Corey davis and some of the other guys there john new smith um i'm not too worried about them when it comes to to you know competitors in the receiving game for for Tannehill. but it's a limited volume that holds aj brown back you know, but when Tannehill does get that volume, when he is throwing it for more than you know seven times, like we saw some of these playoff games, um, week seven through seventeen, we talked about how high Debo finished. AJ Brown was the wide receiver six through the last ten weeks of the season, so he was fantastic there. And that was still while they were going over, um, you know, changing from Marcus Mariota over to Tannehill. So I like Brown a lot. Um, I have him a little bit higher than you do. Yes, he's going to be boom bust, but. 
you know, could we see some of that volume with Derrick Henry on the ground come down? Could we see some touchdown regression there and move some of that over to Brown? I think it's possible um, and and probably likely. Like, I don't think Derrick Henry is going to just repeat. Like, we shouldn't have him as just a, an auto repeat for rushing champion and 16 touchdowns again on the ground. So some of those I think are going to go A.J. Brown's way, and that's why I have him here at number two. And then to get into it, my number one, this is going to be a very hot take, but I am all in on this guy, DK Metcalf. He was the wide receiver 33 last year. This guy to me is the definition of a late bloomer. I think he's going to take the league by storm. He enters a 1A, 1B situation with Lockett on one of the most efficient and productive um, you know, passing offenses with, with Russell Wilson there. I think his target share is going to drastically improve. And we saw improvements from DK Metcalf even just over that last you know half of the season. We saw huge improvements with his film, his route running, the way that Seattle was using him in some different ways. He was running more of those hitch routes, not just you know go routes. And the corners were respecting him because they know he has that you know insane speed and size to go with it, where he can just beat guys over the top, um, get those back shoulder fades. And I think in that game against uh, I believe it was Philly uh, that Seattle played, we saw that upside that DK Metcalf could have here. In that game against Philly, he had nine targets, seven receptions, 160 yards, 22.8 yards per reception, and a touchdown. Like I think that's the level that we could see DK Metcalf at on a you know, good chunk of his games next year. I'm certainly not saying that's going to be his, his baseline by any stretch, but that's what I think you're getting with DK Metcalf, and I can get him as my wide receiver two or a flex. I feel very happy with that, and you know, with Russell Wilson there, like it's just any game he could just blow up. Alex, anything to add here? I think we're both high on, on a lot of these guys. Just have them in a slightly different order for how much we think their ceiling is going to go up in 2020. No, yeah, I think, I mean, I think your rankings are fine. I obviously have McLaurin as, as my number one, which I think was our biggest uh, disagreement. But yeah, I, right. I'm fine with the Metcalf take. I, I'm excited for him next season. I think, you know, with that 1A, 1B situation, I still would certainly rather have Tyler Lockett. But my biggest disagreement is A.J. Brown. I'm not a believer. I think he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good wide receiver one for an NFL team. But just given the, the situation with a team that doesn't pass the ball a lot, they want to run the ball all the time. And then A.J. Brown's skill set is just to be an absolute freight train and move down the field. I just see some of those games that he blew up at the end of last season, and he's one play away in each of those games from being a bust. And given like he has the talent to where the reason he had those one play, that one play in every game was because he's such a beast, but it doesn't take a lot for him to ruin your week. So for me, I'm probably not drafting AJ Brown. Let's get a heat check here on AJ Brown. Let's look at some of the other names around here. I'm going to ask you, who would you rather take? And I'll, I'll throw my two cents in there as well. Uh, Right now, we have A.J. Brown per Fantasy Pros ADP at the wide receiver 18 uh, projected for 2020. So would you rather have Adam Thielen or A.J. Brown? That's easy. It's Adam Thielen. Yeah, I think I'd go with the Thielen side as well. What about Devontae Parker or A.J. Brown? Oh, that's tough. Um, They're both on different the ends Dolphins, of the spectrum here. Yeah, the Dolphins situation from a team and a quarterback perspective and Preston Williams is coming back is a little bit volatile. I think, oh man, I think I love Devontae, but I, I would rather have A.J. Brown. I think I would go with, with the Parker side. I think we saw just how good he could be uh, last season. He was, <laughs> talk about a late bloomer, you know, fifth year breakout from Parker. Mm -hmm. I, I really like what I saw. Uh, and I think the volume will still be there. Uh, what about last one here, Calvin Ridley or A.J. Brown? Calvin Ridley all day. I love Ridley next season. I think 
he might graduate this year to be the Chris Godwin to Julio Jones is Mike Evans. So Ooh. I'm all in on Ridley. I think he's going to be a star. Yeah, I think I would go Ridley there as well, just for a little bit more safety, not as quite boom bust, um, but certainly like a, a slightly lower ceiling than I would look at as Calvin Ridley, but I'm cool with either one. Let's go ahead and move on here. And we want to get into you know, moving a little bit away from fantasy specifically. Yeah, we want to try to be half fantasy, half football on this. So when they're, when we're in the season, we do a lot of segments that are like, you know, games to watch this week, um, you know, looking at different odds and, and Vegas odds on, on, you know, different prop bets, things like that. One we want to talk about here is looking at NFL MVP predictions. I know it's way too early. There's going to be a hard reset probably on all of these takes after the draft, but I want to throw out some interesting names here. Maybe we have a few dark horses. Alex, I'll put the ball in your court first. Who do you have if you had to predict right now? Uh, the 2020-2021 NFL MVP. Yeah, I might get made fun of for this one because it's pretty chalk, but <laughs> if I was a betting man, why would I not take Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, there's not much of an argument needed. He's been a starter for two seasons, and he already has an NFL MVP, a Super Bowl championship, and a Super Bowl MVP under his belt. Kansas City has everyone back. They're going to be one of the top teams in the league from 2019 to 2020 as far as their roster being almost the same. Like they have not had any turnover on their coaching staff um, that I can think of. Their roster is locked in. Tyreek's back, Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. They even were able to pull back to Marcus Robinson, Damian Williams in the backfield, and maybe they even draft a running back. Eric um, Bieniemy to too, there as well. offensive so, coordinator. That's a big deal. Yeah, so for me, you know, Patrick Mahomes has got to be the front runner. Last season, over 4,000 yards and 26 touchdowns, and he missed two and a half games. Um, so Lamar is certainly going to be a contender and I think there'll be dark horses as well. But if I was picking it's Mahomes. what about you? Yeah, I'm taking the other chalk pick here. You know, the last back-to-back MVP winner was Peyton Manning in 2007 or 2008, 2009, excuse me. And then before that with Brett Favre winning it three (laughs) times, uh, in 1995, 1996 and 1997, we were probably one or two years old during that time. But that was the last time we saw a back-to-back MVP, but I'm, I'm willing to put, you know, bet on it that Lamar Jackson, I believe he's the front runner, or I'm sorry, second behind your Mahomes. Um, Mahomes is plus 600 as of right now per Vegas, and Lamar is plus 750 there at second. So we're taking the one and two here. You, it's hard to disagree with these, you know, some of these metrics. And, you know, look at what Lamar Jackson did last season in, you know, some pretty interesting game scripts. He ran for 1,200 yards in only 15 games. He had seven touchdowns also on the ground. He sat out several fourth quarters just due to the blowouts that they were giving these teams, putting RG3 in the game because they were up by so much. So you think if, if you know, maybe we see that, um, you know, some of the narratives that I'm seeing like on Twitter of people say, oh, you know, the Ravens are going to get figured out. This happens every couple of years where a Russian QB comes in, they get figured out, and then they, they disappear. I don't think that's going to happen here with Lamar Jackson. One, because we've never seen anyone at his level in the league before, but also just the way that the Ravens are, are building this team building this offense and building this scheme I think they have much more up their sleeve that they didn't even show in 2019 you know you, even if if that is the case right if all the Baltimore um you know haters are correct that still I think leaves more production to be had for Lamar Jackson he won't be sitting out those fourth quarters and he could easily beat his own rushing record in 2020 he led the NFL he could easily win the rushing title man what are the odds that would be insane he, he led the NFL in yards per carry at 6.9 so you think he'd give him some more attempts there in the fourth quarter why not 
Uh, I think he could, could easily beat his own record here again. He passed for 36 touchdowns in 2019, and again, That's in crazy. only 15 games. That's a fantastic number. I do expect that to, to potentially come down a little bit, uh, but still, nonetheless, he, he'll be fantastic. And if the Ravens are you know, going on a tear where they're you know 8-0 to start the season, I don't see why Lamar isn't clearly a front runner at MVP. And then on top of that, I'm hoping, I'm hoping here in the next week or two that we see the Ravens add some more weapons for Lamar. Um, you know, bring in yeah. another strong wide receiver. We're going to have Hollywood Brown um, continuing to develop and hopefully staying healthy in 2019. So I'm taking Lamar Jackson there. Uh, unless something crazy happens, I don't see any way that he's not at least in the top three in MVP. Um, I don't really have anything to add there, but Steph, it's not very double move sports like to give out the most vanilla takes possible with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson for MVP. <laughs> so I want to get into some dark horses i want you to give me wait, wait, wait. before you, know, maybe... you do before you do before you do i want to i want to just kind of break down kind of the tiers that we have from mvp just give us a quick lay cool. of the land before we cool. throw our dark horses out there because i'm with you 100 on that but the way here here's how i have it broken down i just kind of put these together on a whim before we started recording here I have uh, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson. I think those are the chalk top three. We looked at what they did last year, uh, and and the Vegas odds reflect that as well. Russell Wilson is plus 900. So after that, I kind of go down one more tier in terms of quarterback. We know quarterbacks are going to win MVP. That's just the way things are going these days. Uh, I have Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, and Carson Wentz. Kind of in that next tier of kind of the, the younger guys, up-and-coming guys that have a lot of hype around them, that if their teams are doing well, are going to win MVP. And then we kind of have these, you know, the old guard, right? The veterans that have been in the league. If, if it happens just to be their year, if things fall their way time and time again, I could easily see uh, names like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, all taking MVP away as well. So I kind of have those three tiers of quarterbacks there. But let's get into our dark horses here. I'm really excited to hear what you have, Alex. Go ahead. Yeah, luckily, both of the guys I'm going to throw out here weren't even in your tier list. So that means they are as spicy as I thought they were. <laughs> um, one, I feel like, is definitely more of a long shot than the other. But I'll start with the one that's a little bit safer um, for <laughs> for the podcast, at least. And that's Kyler Murray. He, you know, the last two seasons, we've seen the MVP be a guy in his second year in the NFL really take a step up and really um, elevate everything around him in a high-flying offense. So we saw Patrick Mahomes do it with the Chiefs. We saw Lamar Jackson do it with the Ravens. Both of those guys also are fairly mobile quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, obviously, way more mobile than Patrick Mahomes. But Kyler Murray fits that mold for me. He won the Heisman in college at Oklahoma. And last season, he finishes um, with 3,700 yards and 20 passing touchdowns as a rookie. On top of that, he had 544 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. He ran for more yards than every other quarterback in the league other than Lamar Jackson. So you take what he did last season and, and take that offense with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and they brought in Kenyon Drake, and now they bring in DeAndre Hopkins. I can't help but believe this is going to be a top-five offense next season. In 2019, they were only the 17th-ranked scoring Ooh. offense. They did have some trouble on the offensive line. If they can figure out some ways to plug uh, some holes on their offensive line, maybe they address it in the draft. I really think this offense could be top-notch, and I think Kyler Murray is going to be the leader there. And if the Cardinals end up making the playoffs next season and Murray goes for 4,500 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns through the air, and he's able to add to that on the ground. I think he's going to be right there in the conversation for MVP. So, you know, fantasy-wise, I obviously think his ADP is continuing to creep up, so I don't know that I'll have him from a fantasy perspective, but I'm really excited to watch him next year. 
Um, I, th- I mean, last year he, he threw about 550 times. He was at 542 uh, in attempts. So I really think that number is going to go up to 600, 620 next season. He's got a year under his belt. He's got more weapons. Uh, I think they're going to have longer and better drives. So keep an eye on Kyler Murray. He's a guy that could be the next second-year quarterback to win MVP um, for the third season in a row. Yeah, we talked about it, guys. Go check out our previous episode, our fantasy debates. Uh, one of them we were debating, Kyler Murray up against Dak Prescott. I thought there were a lot of good tidbits there and takeaways just looking at their 2019 seasons when comparing those two. Uh, so definitely go check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, but Alex, I agree. Kyler, you know, and, and again, the Vegas odds uh, have you know, him fourth, right? So right behind Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. And then there's Kyler right there. So I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, that attempts number is crazy. That 600 attempts is like, you know, what Jameis Winston had last year. And I think that's completely realistic in the range of outcomes. But I'll throw out another dark horse quarterback out there. I didn't name him when we talked about the veteran QBs in my tiers. But the one I have is Matthew Stafford. And I know that's going to be gross for a lot of people. They're getting immediately, hey, what in the wow. world are you talking about? He just he's come he's an older guy coming off. Um, he's on the Lions, man. <laughs> I know on a horrible uh, t- honestly, there's like offense and defense. Like they haven't had a running game. It seems like in the last two decades. Uh, but I like Matthew Stafford a lot. If we look at the last eight games uh, that that he was able to play in 2019 before he got hurt, and I'm starting to see narratives that like Matthew Stafford's injury prone or something. This this that's the first time he's ever missed. Uh, I think more than like two games. Uh, in a season was last year. I think the, before that, the last time he even missed a game was like 2016. So I'm not in on the, the injury-prone thing. But if you look at what Stafford was doing, he was playing at MVP level at the end of last season uh, where he played eight games. So listen to his average stat line. 312 yards, 2.4 touchdowns, 64% completion rate. Those are all elite. Before he went down in fantasy, he was the QB6, if that tells you anything stat-wise for him. And he had some crazy games. Uh, On the road against the Raiders, he put up 400 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, At home against the Vikings, he had 360 yards and four touchdowns. Now, you know, we think of, right, an MVP usually is on a team that's winning a lot of games. And, yeah, I don't know how in I am on the Lions taking a huge step, but they could be one of those turnaround teams. They're offloading some of those big contracts with Darius Slay and a few other names. I think they're going to make big moves in this draft. They have, uh, you know, high draft picks. You know, could they be maybe like a San Francisco or a Tennessee last year where we see that turnaround? You know, they were 3-4-1 before Stafford went down. And that was with a four-point loss to Kansas City at home. I I feel like they should have won that game. Uh, So almost beat the Chiefs. And a one-point loss to Green Bay, um, who at the time were were major Super Bowl contenders. So they were competing last year, and then kind of just the wheels fell off. I think if we see Stafford play at that level for a full season, they're going to win more games. Um, Their situation just in general I think is going to be a bit better. Uh, And I think he could be in the MVP running, at least in that like top five as we reach the end of the season. Uh, That's, I think, a pretty hot take, though. Hopefully my case was decent enough. Alex, what are your thoughts? You know, I actually don't mind it. Looking at the numbers last season, Stafford was on pace for about 5,000 yards and 38 passing touchdowns. The 38 touchdowns would have led the NFL. Um, if they would have ended up being good enough to, to pull out a wild card spot, he would have been right in that conversation. He's got elite weapons. Kenny Galladay is breaking out in front of us. And then Marvin Jones. Everyone stays sleeping on Marvin Jones all the time. Yes. People act like he can't – people act like he's just like a – you know, an average wide receiver too, nothing special. But this dude 
has put up numbers time and time again. Last season, he had that four-touchdown game. Um, he actually had more points per game last season in fantasy than Jarvis Landry, Stephon Diggs, Odell Ooh. Beckham, Cortland Sutton, A.J. Brown. Talk that and shit. People act like Marvin Jones sucks. <laughs> people act like Marvin Jones sucks, and he's pretty good. There was, like, honestly a lot of games last season where he was the featured option ahead of Kenny Galladay. So it, it's honestly more of a 1A, 1B situation in Detroit, regardless – of whether people want to admit it or not. And Marvin Jones can play. So you have Stafford with two tall athletic receivers on the outside. I believe Danny Amendola is back. TJ Hawkinson could be a good tight end. We don't really know yet. Carry um, on Johnson. Hopefully we'll be able to stay healthy, but I don't mind it. I think it could be a really good offense. We started to see it last year. They were competitive in the first half of the season. So, you know, we'll see what they do in the draft and if they can pick up any pieces to help out Stafford and this team overall. But it's, it's a hot take. I think that's way hotter than my Kyler Murray take, um, but but it's definitely plausible. Uh, it's definitely a plausible take there. Yeah, he's, he's a plus 5,000 <laughs> odds uh, per Vegas to, to take it all. That's still, and he's like the top 20, so we'll see. Maybe, you know, hey. maybe throw a, you know, a couple, you know, a few dollars on him. <laughs> Put a few dollars here, a few dollars there. Well, if you really want to make some money, you'll take my next sleeper MVP pick which is daniel jones of the new york giants i just had to one up you with the hot takes and i could get roasted (laughs) on this you know several months from now when daniel jones uh, when the giants re-sign eli manning from retirement and daniel jones is on the bench but i really think daniel jones is going to be the real deal i didn't think so at this time last year i thought it was ridiculous that the giants drafted him where they did i turned out to be wrong i'm admitting it now and i think daniel jones has a ton of potential We talked about him earlier and how much he loves to throw the ball down the field. As a rookie, man, he showed some insane promise. In just 12 games, he had 3,000 yards and 24 touchdowns. That's on pace for 4,000 yards and 32 touchdowns in 16 games, and that would have been as a rookie. As well, we talked about, you know, with Kyler Murray and the previous MVPs and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, those guys all have rushing ability. Well, Daniel Jones, believe it or not, has got some wheels. He had 279 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground last season. He averaged more rushing yards per game than Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson, Damn. which I had to fact check myself like several times on that because <laughs> I I thought it was wrong. I really did. I thought my you know I thought my math was off, but it's true. Believe it or not, it's true. Um, he did lead the NFL in fumbles last season. I think he cuts back on that heading into year two. But with the MVP, what you really got to look for is the high upside, right? And as a rookie. Daniel Jones had four games that I'm going to read you the stat lines for these four games where he just took the top off. And that was a third of the games he played. So instead of four games just blowing up, maybe if it's eight games next season, eight of the 16 games, if he goes off and then the rest of the year he's just solid, he could be in the conversation. So week three in his first NFL start, he had 336 passing yards, two touchdowns uh, through the air and two rush touchdowns. At Tampa Bay in the rain. I'll never forget it. Yep. Yep. Danny Dimes. That's where he was born. Uh, no, no interceptions in that game either. Fast forward wow. to week eight, 322 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Week 10, 308 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Week 16, 352 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. So literally a third of this guy's games last season, he was playing at MVP level as a rookie. The offense should be improved. There's a lot of optimism there with new head coach Joe Judge. And you look at the weapons. We talked about Slayton earlier on – um, today's pod and 
Slayton is going to be back and he's emerging in year two. Uh, Sterling Shepard hopefully will be able to stay healthy from some of those concussion issues. Golden Tate is going to be there. Evan Ingram should be healthy. Saquon Barkley is healthy. So you look at the the weapons group that Daniel Jones has, and he has it all. He's got three good receivers that all do different things. He's got an elite athletic tight end and arguably the best running back in the league uh, with Saquon Barkley. So he's got everything he needs around him. It's true. It would be nice to see them pick up an offensive lineman in the first round of the draft to really help protect Daniel Jones. But it might sound crazy to say Daniel Jones is going to win MVP next season, but I certainly am going to put some money on it um, and try to win big. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And, you know, the Giants have, again, they have high draft capital just like the Lions do. So, you know, maybe they're one or two big picks away, maybe some blockbuster picks that really pan out. They could turn that team around. We'll see what their defense can do. Uh, that's for me is like the biggest point of contention. But I'll give my last MVP dark horse here. If I look at where Vegas has him, and he's he's uh, oh he's right around Matthew Stafford plus five thousand. So pretty pretty deep here. The most recent non quarterback to win the MVP award was Ladanian Tomlinson back in two thousand and six. I was floored back in twenty seventeen when Todd Gurley didn't win it for the Rams. But if I had to throw a running back out there to be MVP next year, for me, it's Derrick Henry. I don't know if there's a skill position player in the NFL that is more heavily relied upon than Henry in this Titans offense. Look at his average stat line. I mean, 20 carries, 103 yards, and one touchdown. One touchdown a game. That's his average. Like, he technically averaged over one touchdown per game. It's like 1.07. So you're technically averaging over one touchdown per game. That's 16 touchdowns on the ground. Just talking of, of rushing touchdowns, that's first in the NFL uh, in 2019. Uh, it would have been second in 2018, first in 2017, second in 2016, behind the man, the myth, the legend, like Garrett Blunt, putting up 18 touchdowns <laughs> back in 2016. Wow. That I, When that I saw that, hurts. yeah, that, that brought up some old uh, emotions I hadn't oh felt in a gosh. while. Oh my gosh, that hurts, man. <laughs> 18 touchdowns for LeGarrette Blunt. What did he have, like... 50 carries for 40 yards and 18 touchdowns. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it was something silly. It was something. Uh, it's been a crazy decade, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> nothing is safe anymore. Nothing nothing is. And, and, uh, Golly. You know, talking about things that aren't safe, uh, Derek Henry had 303 <laughs> rushing attempts in 2019. Yeah. That's number it's one. not safe when he's coming at you. That's and, for sure. Yeah, that, he's a Mack truck. But, I, I mean, I expect that usage to remain constant for Henry. And he was still efficient with that insane volume, which is what blows my mind. 5.1 yards per attempt is fourth in the NFL. This guy is a machine. He's a mm. genetic freak. He was the rushing yards champ in 2020. If all remains constant, I don't see why he can't do that again. You know, Tennessee's bringing everybody back. They signed their guy Tannehill. They, they re-signed Henry. So, you know, I really do think that the Titans are going to be a fun one to watch. I'm kind of liking this resurgence that they're having and the kind of play style that they have. It's like a fun version of the ground and pound, kind of like a modernized version, kind of what we think of like the Bills over the last five years here. Um, so I really like what, what Tennessee's doing. I've got a very important question for you, Steph. Let's do it. Would you rather have to try to tackle Derrick Henry or be the ball carrier and try to get past Aaron Donald? Uh, wow. I think I would, poof. uh, I would probably just, I mean, bones are going to, bones are going to be broken either way. So <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to try to stay away from Derrick Henry. He, he scares me a little bit. I'll take Aaron Donald. He seems like a nicer guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I imagine Derrick Henry as me just 
I would try to go low, I guess. I would just dive at the dive at the feet, but at the same time I also imagine myself like standing still and him just like lowering his head right into my chest and, you know. Well, you see it's just not a good scene. I don't know. It's tough. I feel like if I went low, I would at least like getting hurdled isn't the worst thing in the world. Where with Aaron Donald like I'm I'm really really getting crushed into the ground. <laughs> like there's going to be turf pellets in my teeth. <laughs> For years to come, well, a, so I don't know. Have you seen, I don't know. It's tough. I think I'm those videos of Derrick Henry in practice where it's like you know two coaches to the right and left of him with broomsticks with helmets on either side, and he's just practicing his stiff arm <laughs> like over and over again, throwing guys into the ground. Then you see him on game day, and yep, oh there goes a cornerback flying through the air uh, as he's cutting across the outside. So oh uh, <laughs> I'm with you actually. I think uh, I'd rather just lay on the ground as Derrick Henry run by me. Yeah. <laughs> But let's move over here to a completely different topic. We're taking a complete 180 here. Going back to fantasy, we're talking about some ADP nightmares. And, and what we mean by that are guys that, as of right now, their ADP is just a little bit too high for us to feel comfortable with. Um, I have some guys that are kind of the low-hanging fruit chalk picks here. I think you actually will disagree with some of these. But I'm interested to hear, give me your first ADP nightmare as it stands right now. Again, guys, remember this is pre-draft, so some things may change, but... Alex, let's hear it. My first ADP nightmare is John Brown for the Buffalo Bills right now. He's going right in round six or seven, and I'm just not feeling it there with with Johnny Bills. Um, <laughs> he, wow, Johnny Bills. That's a pretty good nickname that I just made up. Um, we might have to trademark that one, but he's a wide receiver too now in Buffalo with Stephon Diggs coming into town. And there's just not a lot of pass volume in this offense. It's a kind of a gritty ground and pound type of team. Josh Allen isn't slinging the ball for 5,000 yards next season. So John Brown, I, I don't know. I just, I might be okay with him as like a wide receiver four, but round seven is too early. If I'm relying on him as my wide receiver, God forbid if he's my wide receiver two, but even my flex, there might be some matchups you can play him. But he was a wide receiver two last year, and that was without Stephon Diggs taking away a lot of his targets. So, you know, give me Darius Slayton. Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel, Brashad Perriman, Brandon Cooks, any of those guys, I would take them ahead of John Brown right now in round six or seven. And all those names are going right in that same area. So I just can't imagine a scenario right now where I'm drafting John Brown. Um, but we'll see. Maybe if his ADP gets pushed down, he could be a nice a nice play to stash on your bench. And if something were to happen to Stephon Diggs or something like that, he could be startable. But right now, keep me away from Johnny Bills. I, I respect that. He's kind of like a Stephon Diggs handcuff the way I see it now. Uh, no, I like that one there. Seventh round. You say it was seventh or sixth? Right around round seven. I've seen a couple instances where he's at the back of round six. Yeah, that's that's pretty gross there. There's a lot of uh, higher upside names with just more volume in general that I would take around that ADP, even though you know we can't take anything away from what Brown did in, in 2019. But my ADP right, nightmare right now is Le'Veon Bell. He's Going right now yeah. around the RB16, that to me is just way too high. When I look at other names around there, I'd rather take Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, or Todd Gurley over him. And assuming no big names come out of the draft on these teams, give me Miles Sanders or Devin Singletary all day over Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Lev Bell fan. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm trashing him here, but we got to just readjust our expectations for him. The Steelers' days are over. Yes, we love his distinct, patient play style. We can all freak out about how patient he is, but like – just I watched this tape this week. I'm not excited for him at all. I just his situation, his fit in the situation, even with the Jets making moves to address the O line, 
with the efficiency for, for Bell was awful last season. He ran a disgusting 3.2 yards per attempt. His longest run oh, of the entire man. year. Listen to this. Longest run of the entire year for a running back was 19 yards. He had longer plays on like through the air consistently. Wait, 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 wait. 19. Wait. His longest run was 19 yards? 19 yards. He finished with career lows in pretty much every stat category. Carries, rushing yards, receiving yards, wow. touchdowns. He's 28 years old. Out of that prime window for a running back, they start to decline. I believe the number is like 24 and a half years old if we want to get specific. But he's out of that prime window. Oh and we hear the stories coming out all the time, all these headlines. The relationship between Lev Bell and Adam Gase, it's been rocky since the day they signed him. I just see Bell as in a, like a ticking time bomb type of situation. What's to say he has two fumbles in a game and Gase doesn't start him again for the rest of the season? Like... It, it just, to me, is very scary. And then you take some of the off-the-field stuff that Bell gets into from time to time. I don't want to sound like I'm trashing him because I really do like the guy. I'm a big fan. But I just don't like him in this this Jets offense at all. They don't give it to Bell on the goal line. His workload itself should be solid. You know, if we look at the tier, he's probably getting the most touches. But I just don't believe in the efficiency or the Jets offense as a whole. I think they're going to be just as volatile as they were last season. So I'm taking a name. You know, when I'm sitting there looking at RB2, I'm not looking at Lev Bell um, unless all those other names are off the board and he's the last one kind of there in that tier. Right now for me at, R at RB16, that's just way too high. That, that run, the long run of 19 yards, I can't get past that because Ryan Fitzpatrick had a run for 20 yards last year. <laughs> Duck Hodges had a run for 22 yards. Jeff Driscoll, 23 yards. Ryan Finley... 24 yards i mean Derek carrier the tight end the like third string tight end for the raiders had a run for 27 yards so Anything that's that's brutal but here's <laughs> here's <laughs> here's my counterpoint for you though step his season was terrible last last year you laid it out like adam gase is the worst he wasn't efficient and he still finished last season as a running back 16 and that's where you said he's going right now in draft so for me I see Sam Darnold as, you know, I think it's extremely unlikely that he gets mono again. You know, that's a bit of a hot take. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but I really don't think he's getting mono again. So the offense should be a little bit better four games. than it was last season. And the efficiency literally cannot go down. It's impossible for him to be worse efficiency-wise than he was last season. And I don't think the usage is going down because, I I mean, this Jets offense, who else is the ball going to go to? I, there's no one else for the – unless they draft somebody, um, which I don't think many people are projecting them to take a running back. I just don't see his usage going down. So, for me, because he's used so much, even if he's not efficient with it and the offense does struggle, I think that's a pretty fair place and you could rely on – I don't think he's got any potential to be a top five running back like the days of old, but – I think he's pretty safe to be, you know, a low-end RB1 or a high-end RB2. So I can't see a scenario, barring injury, that Le'Veon Bell's not at least an RB2 in 2020. But, I mean, hey, in our leagues that we're in together, maybe I'll just get to snag Le'Veon Bell uh, and I can, you know, take him a little later than I want to because I know you're not going to snipe him in front <laughs> of me. So, you know, I, it's a fair point. I'm fine taking Le'Veon Bell. He's definitely a polarizing guy and we didn't get a lot from the Jets last season, so they surprisingly, I think we're seven and nine. Which every time I say that, I have to fact check myself because I remember, I remember, you know, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts all year. Yeah, they were seven and nine last year, so they were a lot better than they get credit for. Um, and without Brady in that division, they could compete. So I'm cool with Le'Veon Bell, but 
I totally respect the takes that you made. I think they're so. Fair. Before we get into the last two ADP nightmares, just want to remind you all: if you all like the show, please subscribe. Please give us a like. Uh, any feedback that you have for us, we really appreciate it. And thank you all so much for watching. Uh, hopefully, you're in, in liking everything you see here. We're putting out high quality content, conversation starters, graphics, polls, everything, answering your questions on Twitter and Instagram. So be sure to follow us on there. Pretty active on there every single day. Uh, so we'd love to chat with you guys and keep the conversation going outside of the show. But Alex, give me your last ADP nightmare here before we close out. I'll be quick on this one because we've talked about him a lot already. It's AJ Brown in round four. Like no way. Um, look, you know, watch the earlier piece of the conversation, if you want to know what I think about A.J. Brown, he, in the, the playoff run, it scarred me. I, like, I was excited for him. I got him in FanDuel and, and DFS a lot in the back half of the season. He was always a pretty good price, and he always, you know, paid off. But in the playoffs, one catch for four yards, one catch for nine yards, three catches for 51 yards, that's just not getting it done for me. Three or fewer catches in 10 out of 16 games, even though those catches normally go uh, a pretty long way. I just can't imagine taking A.J. Brown in round four. Earlier, I did say I would take him ahead of Devontae Parker. That's probably right where my line is. But I'm taking like a Michael Gallup, a Tyler Lockett, Stephon Diggs, or even Terry McLaurin ahead of A.J. Wow. Brown. Um, I, he will not be on any of my rosters this season unless something drastic changes between you know now and the season or, or unless he falls in drafts. Um, and I'm sure I'm going to scoop him up in some DFS lineups. He's always a good play because he always could go off for 30, 40 points. Like he's that kind of guy. But for my wide receiver too, I want something a little bit more consistent. And I think he's a great talent. But for fantasy football, he freaks me out, man. So <laughs> you can have A.J. Brown all day as long as you leave me Le'Veon Bell. Hey, I think I, I just feel like the volume is, is going to go up. Like you can't look at what they It probably like, will. I think you're right. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm with you though. It's still that, that ADP is a little bit scary. I'd probably go other ways there. Just looking at that, you know, I had, I had Metcalf and McLaurin uh, over Brown. I am with you on AJ Brown to a point. Uh, the last name. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to poop all over this player. It's Will Fuller. <laughs> Alex, our history with Will Fuller is terrible. For all of you guys who don't know, we're in a league called oh, Sunday's man. Finest. It is a keeper league. It's been one of our longest-running leagues. And that's really where yo, Alex and I first started going head-to-head. Shout-out to all the guys listening from Sunday's Finest. Uh, hey. Alex, last year I gave you Will Fuller for one week when he went off for 50 points. Ever since then, I've just been out on the guy. I, I don't want to touch him. Every time mm-hmm. I'm in a draft, I look at the names around him and I, I go the other way. Like I'm in a mock and then I see Marvin Jones there. Like We just talked about him, how slept oh, on he is. Love Marvin. I'm taking Marvin Jones a billion times out of a billion over Will Fuller. I see names like Christian Kirk there. Tyler Boyd is there. I'm going with those guys over Will, Will Fuller every single time. And I have a pretty mind-blowing stat to just illustrate how injury-prone, how many games Will Fuller missed. So he's played four seasons, so that's 64 possible regular season games. Guess how many games, Alex, over the last four seasons, how many he's missed? Oh my gosh, so 64 potential games. How many has he played? How many has he played? Um, How many has he missed? Okay, I think he's. Pro- I'm just gonna half it. I'm gonna say 32 and 32. So maybe, what is it, Seb? Is that close? It's it's actually pretty close. He's missed 22 games over the course oh my of gosh. four. So seasons. maybe we should start calling him. <laughs> maybe we should start calling him Will Halford. Oh, 
I, I mean, see it. <laughs> dude, we're we're bringing hot, not only hot takes, but hot nicknames today. <laughs> we got Johnny Bills, you know, running routes with Josh Allen, and we got Will Haffer playing half the season every year. Oh my god! So the dad jokes, the dad nicknames will keep coming, <laughs> um, no doubt. But that's crazy, man. You can't rely on this guy. No, on average, you're losing him for six games a season. And those 10 remaining games, you're hoping that he blows up. I mean, he's still boom bust within that those 10 games that he's going to play every season. Hopkins leaving the offense certainly hurts. I think we'd all agree with that. I don't believe in David Johnson as a fit for the Texans. So I do think the run game will suffer. And at some point, I think the injuries with Will Fuller are going to affect his most valuable asset, which is his speed. Like, you have enough issues in there. It's yeah. going to hurt every time you're going to run. Like, that's just how the human body works. I think we've all experienced that pro athlete or not. <laughs> like, But, I mean, do you want your, your flex guy to be one you plug in there, hope the Texans are down late, and Deshaun Watson sees Fuller out of the corner of his eye in the back of the end zone for a 40-yard reception? Or would you rather just safely plug in Christian Kirk, who's going to be a part of that offense? There's going to be... Uh, you know, plenty of volume, and he's not going to go out for six games. Like, it's just to me, I'm not going to have Will Fuller probably ever, like, honestly, from this point on. I'm not trading for him. I'm not even going to fall for the waiver trap. I'm not, like, dude, I'm just, I'm all out on this guy. It's tough. You know, it's it's interesting because we talked about you giving him to me for that 53-whatever-point week he had, and that honestly hurt me too because I then was so biased towards wanting to play Will Fuller because I thought there was like, he's got that upside. He's got that upside. And I got burned time and time again. That's how he pulls um, Not you only in. was he inconsistent when he played the full game, he left the game early and put up a one point performance for me. I actually was able to start him. He had, I think one other good game the entire season. It was against my Colts. He had seven catches for 140 yards. And I specifically remember in that game, every single time Will Fuller got the ball, he would hold his hamstring and get up limping. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. And he'd limp his way back to the huddle and then run another 40 yards down the field and do the same thing again. So I was a nervous wreck with Will Haffer all season long. And I agree. I'm not touching him. Um, maybe. No, not even. Not maybe. even. Maybe. Not I mean, he's going around right. wide receiver 34. I, it's just Alex. That was that. This show has been an absolute blast. Anything else to add here? Any parting words before we sign off? I think we've we've checked all the boxes today. Well, if you have the opportunity to put money on Daniel Jones for MVP, do it. But you didn't hear it from me unless he wins MVP. We got A.J. Brown. Don't touch Will Fuller with a 10-foot pole. That's right. Um, and, you know, just keep listening to the show. That's that's all I got, Steph. Nothing groundbreaking here today. It was a blast. It was really fun. Um, you know, we'd love to hear, would you rather try to tackle Derrick Henry or try to get past Aaron Donald? Let us know. Maybe we'll throw that poll on Twitter and see what kind of responses we get. I think both me and Steph are, are taking the Derrick yes. Henry side, but it was a fun show. And, you know, we're just looking forward to bringing you more content. Hopefully everyone is staying safe and hopefully the NFL draft is everything we want it to be. And we get some awesome trades, some awesome um, drama uh, throughout the weekend. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, I've already heard of, of the Patriots trying to move up with that Lions for that number three pick. So right there, like right off the top, we could be seeing a blockbuster. I saw Ian Rappaport put out a tweet uh, that was quoted from another, um, I believe it was a GM or, or high level scout in the league said, y'all looking at your all's mocks, this is the year that you all have gotten the most uh, predictions wrong. So I think there's going to be some crazy stuff. You add in all the, the COVID craziness that's going to happen here with everybody at home like it's just going to be a nutty draft Uh, i'm pretty excited for it and uh yeah we'll have a lot more to break down but thank you all so much for watching we appreciate it and we'll see you next time